and welcome to Baystop, a podcast where we engage in a holistic critique of the Christian culture that we grew up with through the lens of pop culture and media, with humour, hopefully, honesty and thought-provoking discussion. I have with me, as usual, Anna and Beck. Hi! Hi. Um, and tonight we are going to analyse the infamous Proverbs 31. Anna, would you like to read out the poem? Sure. Proverbs 31, 10 to 31 from the King James Version. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it. Fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengthened arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household. For all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdless unto the merchant. Strength and honour are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favour is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. So, um, from the research that I did, I found lots of conflicting evidence, but... <laughs> Basically, um, Proverbs 31, 10 to 31 was 
potentially added on after the fact, so not necessarily written at the same time as the rest of the book of Proverbs. In fact, it's possible that they were all collated from various times. Mm. While it is assumed that Solomon was the author, there's actually no proof of that either. Solomon died 920 BC, which is about the 11th century, but Proverbs was potentially not finalized until the 5th century, so possibly rewritten or collated or um, scribed down as a whole or whatever that looks like, but they're thinking that that wasn't done until 5th century. Yeah, BC. The poem's an acrostic poem, each verse beginning with a consecutive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And this is thought to be easier to organize the thoughts and to memorize the proverb as well. It is said that it was a mother giving a list of what to look for in a wife to her son. Oh. So spoken by a woman to a man yeah. rather than written to a woman. Yeah, it really sounds like it was written by a woman. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was definitely edited by a man. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um I did a bit of research myself and I found something that Rachel Held Evans talked about, um who she was a really great Christian writer, but she said that with her research from a book called A Year of Biblical Womanhood, through her Jewish friend, she found out that in their culture, it's not the women who memorize Proverbs 31, but the men. So they memorize it as a song of praise to women. So their wives, their daughters, their mothers and friends. Her friend in particular, her husband, sang it to her every Sabbath meal, which I think is really quite beautiful. It's really interesting with the cultural difference. So this was the Jewish text. Yeah. Really, yeah. Before the Christians appropriated it. So the only instructive language in the poem that's directed at the male audience is praise her for all her hands have done. And yet many Christians interpret this passage prescriptively, yeah. if that makes sense, mm -hmm. um, as a command to women rather than an ode to women. I mean, just my immediate reaction to it is, uh, I'm tired. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Looking at, I mean, and I know you said it wasn't written to be prescriptive, but that's not necessarily what people take from it. Because if you look at Christianity in general, we don't do a whole lot of digging into the background and the context and the Jewish culture and all that sort of stuff, the relevance of verses at the time that they were written. And so a lot of women look at it and what they see is just like this, this challenge or like a standard that they're never going to be able to reach or maybe... Like, who gets up before the dawn and keeps the candle burnt and the candle never goes out? That's literally burning the candle at both ends. And that's not healthy. That's called burnout. That's burnout. Yeah, it just it just sounds really tiring to me. And also, where is the Proverbs 31 man? Where's a man of noble character? Is that it again, Monk? Yeah. Well, where's I, the monk? I think that's an interesting point, Beck, because mm. I'll – what we were trying to before think about another passage that had instructions for men in the same way yeah. as Proverbs Or even women. if it's not an instruction, then a way that a woman can look at her man and be like, hey, a man of noble character, where can one be found? Oh, look, the one yeah. in front of me. Here are his attributes. 
what we are meant to take from that is it, it's a it, written in a patriarchal, patriarchal system, system. A patriarchal time mm. where um the men did the seeking of the women and the women did everything else <laughs> because that's what it looks <laughs> like according right? to this She's yeah out there buying the fields where's where's the man anyways he's probably busy too but it just seems like a lot even if it's a like a poem to sing to your girlfriend. I'm sorry, your wife. Yeah, it just seems like a lot. So in an article by Liz One on ChristandPopCulture.com uh, addressing the Proverbs 31 woman, she says that it seems like a frustrating standard to try to live up to to attain a perfect image of a social construct. Uh, no woman is happy trying to fit herself into a mass-produced image because we are flawed and real human beings with our own individual sets of strengths and weaknesses. The Bible shows this clearly through Old Testament stories. And I thought this was interesting because she gives a couple of examples on women in the Bible who are not perfect role models. And though we should seek to emulate some of their strengths, we are warned through their lives to avoid their weaknesses as well. So just remember that these are women who have weaknesses and are not perfect role models. Here are her examples. Number one, Abraham lied about Sarah being his wife and offered her sexual services to the king in Genesis 20. I'm pretty sure that wasn't Sarah's choice. I'm pretty sure that was Abraham. So how is that Sarah's weakness? And her second example is Esther joined the king's harem. Once again, that wasn't really her choice. And that's ridiculous. That's not a weakness. Uh, Rebecca favored her younger son Jacob, leading her to deceive her husband so Jacob could get the birthright. That's a result of a patriarchal system going, hey, you're the eldest, you get the inheritance, even if you're not entirely deserving of it. She was just working with what she had to try and get the right inheritance to the right person under a flawed system. That's not a weakness, that's a strength. These women are complex and well-rounded, real and flawed. Those aren't flaws. So if you can't live up to being a Proverbs 31 wife, that's okay because women in the Bible were flawed too. However, the flaws that she's cited as examples aren't flaws. So, yeah, they were circumstantial. Um, there were things that they essentially had no control over. Mm. And I'm sure they all were flawed. Yeah. But those are not their flaws. Yeah. So I think she's missing the point of why the Proverbs 31 woman is frustrating. Because it's unattainable if you look at it like it's a blueprint. Yeah. So, you know, like with sin, how they talk about dying, Paul talks about dying to self and being perfect. No one can be perfect. You can't live sinlessly, right? But there's that tension. So God tells us not to sin. We sin. And it's in that tension of trying to be better. That's what it's about. Yeah. The struggle to be good and the repentance and the closeness to God that it brings you. Is that the kind of ten is that the same sort of thing that this poem is? Because it's like this unattainable thing that this man is out looking for. So is it living in that tension of trying to be that woman? Is that what we're supposed to take away from this as a woman reader? I mean, if we look at it in the Jewish context, then no, it's not that tension. It's not for us to strive towards. It's a song of praise to women or a um, a poem of thanks to women. And there are lots of those throughout the Bible, so it makes sense. And um, when I say lots of those, I don't mean lots of songs to women, but there's lots of songs of praise, praise and songs of gratefulness. And when something amazing happens, like Mary has a song in the scriptures and Miriam, Miriam has a song. Yeah. And so amazing things happen and then they give this 
song of praise or this poem or it makes sense that it's kind of along those lines. So then why do so many modern day readers go, hey, that means that I should go on a diet? Because we live in a patriarchal society. All the people that did the interpretations of these Bible of the Bible in, you know, different versions were men. They are going to interpret it in a way that leans towards the masculine, particularly in the times that they were written. You know, the King James Version that was written in a time where women were still very much a commodity rather than people. I think that kind of feeds into our culture now where we look at the Bible as script that we need to follow rather than an ancient collection of writings. I think a script is easier to instruct than nuance. Mm. So doesn't that come down to the leaders and the imparters of wisdom, the teachers in the Christian faith, to study and then explain to their congregation, Bible studies and whatnot? Why is it that the overall message now, in 2020, is still this is what you should be doing. Like I just read a blog post by this woman who's like, oh, this is about me looking after my children. Thank you, God. Like, I mean, from my experience, it's because people are going to these colleges and they're learning from ancient theologians that were living in a time where thinking like that made sense. And although we're now in 2020 where women are people, there's still an element where the Church leaders are majority male, Bible college lecturers are majority male, and the Bible is written, yeah, by men, for men. men. Put all that together and it's not a system that women easily fit into Mm. and it's not a system that's going to favour women well. It makes sense that people just kind of follow what's gone before. I would like to know the shift in thoughts from... um Judaism to Christianity because Judaism is actually quite a um, matriarchal faith system. The child follows the lineage of the mother when it comes to religion. In terms of equality, I mean, in that ancient system wasn't perfect, but but there was more of an equality between the man and the woman. They did believe that men and women had different roles, but they didn't think that there were any sort of less lessness to go with that. For example, women were able to inherit property, interesting things like that. And then you have this shift with Christ coming down and and then that other branch from Judaism. And then from that it became way more patriarchal, like Christianity is a patriarchy and I've never been able to understand or resolve the difference between the original faith system and what Christianity has done. I don't understand why there's that giant shift. It's cultural predominantly in terms of the way that culture went with Christianity. It was very much a political thing. Catholicism was incredibly political and was used to gain power and and then yeah you go from there and the split of the catholic and protestant churches yeah. and it was all wrapped up in the political culture it was less about 
actual belief to some degree and more about controlling the masses. And also, regular people didn't have access to the Bible. No, that's right. Until the printing press and And Martin Luther. And that's that's why they say that the Reformation succeeded so well is because of the printing press. But again, Christians aren't taught to really do their research and think. Like, the Jewish faith, children are taught from being very little to memorise and to to look over that. How they have their um, bar mitzvahs and and all that sort of thing. Mm. And and with Christianity, there is no Mm. academic questioning. Christians don't question. Yeah. I was literally talking about this with a customer this morning. Because I stupidly said I was recording a podcast tonight as a list of all these things I was doing today. And he goes, oh, what's it about? So then I had to tell him. And I know he, I know, I know he's a Muslim. I told him briefly what the podcast was about. But this guy just kind of explained what it was like growing up fundamental and slowly got into it was Christian fundamental. Oh, I grew up missionary. Oh, I grew up in India. And it just kept going. And he was really interested and he kept asking questions and he was like talking about how he's been to university, he was raised Muslim and he still is Muslim, but he looks at the scripture and he's like, yeah, these are the Quran, they say it's the word of God, but it was written by a man and there are things in there that I can't reconcile with critical thinking. I've been to university, I, I've got a science degree, I, I really struggle with that kind of thing, I still want to be a good person. Um, how do you go with the Bible? And I'm like, well, I don't even know if I'm still a Christian. I kind of believe in like other things. And it was really cool because he just out of the blue was like, yeah, you know, Judaism, Islam, Christianity, Catholicism all got their roots in the same like Abrahamic faith. And he even mentioned the Ishmael thing. He was like, yeah, Ishmael was our forefather and Isaac was yours. Yeah. And I just thought it was really interesting, but I don't remember what my point was. What were we talking about? It's so cool. Right, intellectual. And so he's a person who was raised in this culture and religion and is now thinking for himself and struggling with the same sort of thing that I'm sure a lot of us uh, struggle with when we look at the stuff we were raised to believe with a critical eye. It's just that when you're raised with the same message beaten into you, whether it's subtly in culture around you or whether it's literally in Bible verses preached over you and prayed over you, it's really hard to distinguish what's real and what's made up, like what is culture telling you something and what is not true, like what what is real truth. So I find it hard, especially with the whole people hating on feminists, to talk about women because it was beaten into me that women should be silent and submissive <laughs> and docile and but at the same time, hardworking and speaking up for themselves. And it's just this mixed messaging, throwing a little Proverbs 31, throwing a little helpmate, um, throwing a little bit of the world telling you, you also have to be super attractive and, but not too attractive. Uh, skirt shouldn't be too high, shouldn't be too low. Cause you know, you don't want to be a slut, but you don't want to be a prude. Also telling you save yourself for marriage. Also telling you don't date. Um, because dating is a sin. Kiss it goodbye. No. Courtship is the way to go. Thanks, Josh. What's your face? Josh, Josh Harris. Also, at the same time, telling men different messages. So it's just really confusing to grow up a woman, especially in the church. 
the thing is, it's okay for us to be a little bit peeved off by this particular verse in the Bible, not because of the verse itself necessarily, but because of the way that it's used. And it is used against women. It's not used to support women and to lift them up. It's used to say you're not achieving what we're expected. Like we've said before, it's used as a blueprint rather than um, praise or or affirmation. Yeah. Now that all of us think a little bit more critically and are willing to push back on what we were brought up believing, we can actually look at it and go, no, I don't. I don't want to hold on to that as an expectation for myself. I want better things for my life, more freedom, um, more self-love, more self-acceptance. Basically, the ancient version of Liz Last was. <laughs> oh! And I don't want to laugh and love. <laughs> But it is. Yeah. Well, it has become the Pinterest Christian lady yeah. wank fest. Yeah. So. Oh, totally. I googled Proverbs 31 wife and there were so many books and devotionals and poems. A virtuouswoman.org, Proverbs31.org, Proverbs31woman.org, a Proverbs31wife.com, Proverbs31woman.blogspot.com. And here are some of the the articles. Frequently asked questions about the keto diet and the Proverbs 31 woman. How would that sit with the keto diet? God's fruit diet. Put an end to emotional eating. Proverbs 31 woman. Well, that makes sense that it's fruit-based. I get that. Time to start a new D-I-E-T, Proverbs 31 ministries. And they are, (laughs) in this one, they have food for thought. A spiritual (laughs) D-I-E-T where each of those things stand for something. Discipline, intentional, earnest, and trusting. Yeah, the creation diet, day 39, a virtuous woman, a Proverbs 31 ministry. What is the obsession with that? When charm and looks are fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is, diamonds are forever. What am I talking about? <laughs> no, you're, you're, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. You're saying that the very verse says that looks are fleeting, and yet, our consumer-driven, capitalistic... It's this conjunction. Intersectionality <laughs> in, in consumerism. <laughs> Do you think it's the fact that it's that striving for perfection? So although... Um, aren't we meant to rest in... At least a, once a week? As a deer pants for water, your soul longs to rest in the Lord. But at least once a week... <laughs> But maybe that's only for the men. Well, because when do you rest if you're up all night by candlelight doing your cross stitch? Sorry, I can't that. <laughs> and you're up before the morning light. What if it's summertime and the sun rises at fucking 5.30 in the morning? What, are you supposed <laughs> to get up at 5 every single day? You're screwed, yeah. yeah. Proverbs 31 woman, you are confident, immaculate, you are capable, you are intelligent. You are heaven sent, so virtuous, such a remarkable, incredible example of how a woman should be, so godly. That's the most beautiful thing about her. She's unaffected by the negativity and the false opinions people have about her. She just lives. She's not focused on the rest. She's working to be the best. And to pass the test. 
there's no proof that Solomon was the author, but I want to talk a little bit about Solomon. This guy apparently had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Whoa. So I did a little bit of math. Math's not my strongest um, suit, so I may be a little bit wrong here, but approximately if Solomon was to sleep with one wife slash concubine every day, it would take roughly two years and eight months to get through them all. (laughs) But that's assuming he had no breaks. So, you know, every single day for two years and eight months, he Mm. is having sex. And then my other thought was, what about STDs? Like, they must have been riddled with them. no, in the old days. Because technically they wouldn't have been sleeping with anyone else, supposedly. So he's the only one out doing it. Oh, but then if he, yeah. But if he got one from sticking his spoon in some nasty cup. A fork. Nasty. Ooh, and I meant that in terms of STDs, not in terms of. Or his sword, unsheathing his blade. Plunging it into the heart <laughs> of hearts. <laughs> Moving past the potential STDs, how many kids would he have had? If you've got a thousand women that you're sleeping with, you would say you'd at least have a thousand kids, potentially, as long as he slept with them all more than once. But either way, like the Bible doesn't state how many kids he had, but I imagine it was a lot. Imagine having to house them all. Like that's a small village. So Solomon asked for wisdom, right? (laughs) <laughs> he was not a smart man. <laughs> well, there would have been ancient birth control, um, such as honey, mm. acacia leaves, and also lint Sponge too. as a form of cervical care. And uh, interesting. What was the last? But one? would they have wanted birth control? Because wouldn't he have wanted as many offspring as possible? Well, like it's still Old Testament, right? And um, what was? Tamar, Tamar and mm. her first husband or second husband? No, second husband. He spilled his seed. Yeah. And that's why mas- masturbating is wrong. Ugh, don't even get me started <laughs> on that. <laughs> oh, hey, this guy raped you. Um, your fa- You had to sleep with your father-in-law to get, to get what you are owed um, and now he's going to have you killed because you're pregnant with somebody's kid. So, oh, that's okay. Now you can go live with him. <laughs> I mean, I know he never touched her after that, but also, like, fuck. Yeah, yeah, it's twisted. Badass Tamar, but, like, what you got to do, man? What you got to do? Sorry. So birth control. I think you'd want to have as many kids as possible. Does it say in the Bible how many kids Solomon had? No. He had nah, Rehoboam, didn't he? That was his kid, and then yeah, this kingdom split. pretty much the only child of his that is mentioned. Damn. But yeah, he would have had heaps. There's no way he had a thousand women he was sleeping with and only one child. <laughs> so yeah, that is my rant nice. about how Solomon is a slut. I reckon they need to do some kind of Game of Thrones thing, but with Solomon's harem. Like, oh you yeah. Tell me exciting stuff wasn't happening. Oh, I reckon there were relationships all over the place there has to have been that sweet young one that was in love with the eunuch there would have been a eunuch yep yeah yep yep you know what there was probably there would have been 
children of Solomon that were old enough to date. Living with Rory, suddenly this like maternal instinct came out of me and this homemaker that I didn't know I had like inside me, all of a sudden I wanted to cook many meals um, for my loved one and I wanted to nest and create a home and fill it with plants and bake bread and so literally two days ago his mum gave me a sewing machine I mean, I meant I mentioned that I darned my own socks, and so she gave me a sewing machine. You darn socks! Well, I darn. Well, who? Well, who wants to buy, buy socks? By candlelight? Did you do it Shut by candlelight? Shut up! Did you do it by candlelight? No, I but I did make a candle a week ago for my sister's <laughs> birthday. So <laughs> it's lavender. and It has actual lavender flowers in it. Anyways, petals. Yeah. I can't even sew a button, so I am impressed well, by they, your darning socks. You. So this 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 sewing machine is really old and didn't come with an instruction manual. So I spent like several hours looking at tutorials and trying to work out how to use this thing. And I figured it out and I'm very impressed with myself. But also I was like, why do I want to do this? Why do I want to hem, cut and hem this work shirt that I have? Because I know it'll look cute if I do that. What is this instinct in me to look after my mans? And at the same time, Rory's very like egalitarian. Is that the word for like we both do 50-50. So he very much is like, let's do a like a, a spreadsheet and I'll do meals on these days, you do meals on these days. And I often just trump that because it comes naturally to me because I'm a very good organizer. I'm, I'm, I know how to cook well and he's okay. So, <laughs> but so he said, no, I want to do it 50-50 so you don't build resentment without realizing it. And I was like, no, nah, it won't happen. And guess what? I resent him. Or I did after a little while. Because I'm like, oh, you do some work too. But he offered to. So that was just interesting to me that that happened. I guess probably what you were brought up with, yes. the expectations. Some of that Proverbs 31 yeah. stuff that just kind of sits under um, the foundation of mm. Christianity for women mm. to some degree. Mm. Um, but I also yeah. enjoy it to a degree. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's okay too. Yeah, and I like that I enjoy it. I just, the feminist to me is like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, but feminism is about the choice to do it. Right. Yeah. 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 And so Rory going, let's share it. Yeah. Is, is that choice that then I can be like, yeah, no, I don't want to do it. Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting. And I don't want children and neither does he. So what does that make me? If I'm not a mother and looking at the wife of noble character, it's like, oh, this millennial obsession with baking bread and sewing our own clothes. They're not feminine things, though. They're just things. It's just that um, we've assigned roles yeah. Yeah. to those things um, and how we, it's how we value those things. We quantify them as more feminine because they're in the kitchen. They're quite manual, though. They're quite hands-on and labor-intensive. And the women used to work out in the fields. and So um, is it my natural inclination to want to sew my own clothes or darn my own socks out of creativity or is it out of necessity? Um, why doesn't Rory have the same inclination? But he does. He does have, like, creative inclinations just in 
typically manly areas, like he tinkers with stuff, like computer bits, an oscilloscope that he found out of like a vintage. It's I don't care about that. But is that his like literal baseline natural instinct as just Rory or is it his cultural context causing him to lean towards more masculine things like interesting you know yeah. I mean? so yeah that well that dives into the whole um we were speaking before about the enneagram so the enneagram is basically a system of personality typing that describes patterns in people and um so for me my enneagram is i'm a two and a four so the two is the helper and the four is the individual um and i think that you would be very amused by this, Rebecca, because um, the failings of a four is they can be very melancholy and and self-indulgent and full of self-pity. And I read that and I was like, I'm not going to tell back that. And I have on the uh, podcast. So there you go. 100% Tish. Um, 100%. So what what are your Enneagrams? Um, So I did mine literally yesterday. Um, And I'm a three- Wing two, that means that I'm a three kind of leaning towards a two more than a four, which um, is the two a, side. What's a three? Basically, I think it's either the performer or the achiever. Performer. Performer. I'm a dancing monkey, y'all. <laughs> 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 um, like I worry about what people think of me, so I work hard to gain affirmation through my deeds. Also, I like lists and being organized and um, image-focused. And what else? Is, I can't remember. So I'm only remembering all the Monica, bad things. Yeah, Monica I work really. Friends. I like. Yeah, I work hard to get people to like me. Yeah, yeah, and I feel best when I'm productive. Yeah, if anyone knows me, I love a good spreadsheet. Yeah. So I'm uh, type six, which is the loyalist. That's they. They say that when threes are at their healthiest, they're like a really healthy six. So you are what I strive to be, Anna. When I am in a place of stress, I'm a three. <laughs> That's me. Oh my God. So the loyalist is the committed, security-orientated type, engaging, responsible, anxious, and suspicious, which is me. <laughs> Excellent. So uh, something I find interesting is that, well, all three of us um, have identified whether it be our main one for me, a two, or whether it's been a wing one for you two being a two. So the two is the helper, and the helper is categorised as the caring, interpersonal, generous, demonstrative, people-pleasing. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh, that hurts. Yeah. And possessive. <laughs> yeah. So the type two in brief are the empathetic, sincere, and warm-hearted. They are friendly, generous, and self-sacrificing. They are well-meaning and driven to be close to others, but can slip into doing things for others in order to be needed. They typically have problems with possessiveness and with acknowledging their own needs. At their best, they are unselfish and altruistic. They have unconditional love for others. It's really interesting that all three of us have an aspect of that, and I have heard before that Christian women in particular have at least... Either they are a two or they have the wing of the two. Which, when you look at Proverbs 31... She's a two! (laughs) Yeah. Do you know much about that word? Ezer or Ezer? And Konegdo? 
So, no, I do not. So um, the Lord God said it is not good for the man to be alone. I'll make him a helper fit for him. It's not good. Da, 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 a helper. So they, the woman before sin entered the world was created to be a helper for the man. But in the Hebrew, uh, the word translated as helper or help meet or help mate are the Hebrew words Eza and Konegdo. I'm definitely massacring those. If we break those words down, the word Isa is found 21 times in the Old Testament, and only two of those times have anything to do with women. Those are both in the creation story. Three times this word is used to describe Israel's allies in battle, and 16 times it's used of God as a helper to Israel. Each time the word is used for either Israel's allies or for God, it's in a military context. Carolyn Custis James, author of Half the Church, puts it, God is his people's helper, defender, deliverer, sword, and shield. He is better than chariots and horses, yada, yada, yada. So based on the Old Testament's consistent usage of this term, it only makes sense to conclude that God created the woman to be a warrior. Konegdo, the other word, um, literally means in Hebrew, as in front of him. An easier way of putting that is of the same nature or mirrored. So Rachel Held Evans says, Everything about this, this descriptor implies mutuality and harmony, and it provides us with a lovely glimpse of what a sinless relationship between a man and a woman might look like. The picture of a true partnership. So beautiful. So when you put the words Isa and Konegdo together, it means something along the lines of a warrior helper of the same nature or a co-warrior. Um, and I think that's a much better translation than helpmate. That is so cool. Yeah. I love it. Do the impossible, see the invisible. Row, row. Fight the power, touch the untouchable, break the unbreakable. Row, row. Fight the power. Power to the peaks, power for the dreams. So missing pieces. Okay, here, I'll read you a little bit. So one of the theories of why... What's so good about men? Um, muscle power. The most common theory points to the fact that men are stronger than women and that they have used their greater physical power to force women into submission. A more subtle version of this claim argues that their strength allows men to monopolize tasks that demand hard manual labor, such as plowing and harvesting. This gives them control of food production, which in turn translates into political clout. There are two problems with this emphasis on muscle power. First, the statement that men are stronger than women is true only on average, and only with regard to certain types of strength. Women are generally more resistant to hunger, disease, and fatigue than men. There are many women who can run faster and lift heavier weights than many men. Furthermore, and most problematic for this theory, women have, throughout history, been excluded mainly from jobs that require little physical effort, such as the priesthood, law, and politics, while engaging in hard manual labor in the fields, in crafts, and in the household. This is so true! If social power were divided in direct relation to physical strength or stamina, women should have got far more of it. Even more importantly, there simply is no direct relation between physical strength and social power among humans. People in their 60s usually exercise power over people in their 20s, even though 20-somethings are much stronger than their elders. That's actually amazing. That is really cool. Interesting in fact, work. human history shows that there is often an inverse relation between physical prowess and social power. In most societies, it's the lower class who do the manual labor. This may reflect Homo sapiens' position in the food chain. If all that counted were raw physical abilities, sapiens would have found themselves on a middle rung of the ladder, but their mental and social skills place them at the top. 
It is only natural, therefore, that the chain of power within the species will also be determined by mental and social abilities rather than brute force. Consequently, it sounds improbable that the most influential and most stable social hierarchy in history is founded on men's ability physically to coerce women. So they're saying that women are physically stronger than men, and it wasn't because of that theory that the patriarchy exists. That's there's awesome. Some, there's something else. So there's a couple of theories, but that was that's one of the generally accepted. You know how people are like, oh, men are stronger than... No, yeah, they're not. Yeah. Like, Rory is so weak. Have you... And there's pain tolerance. Yeah, He's have like, you yeah. heard of oh. a woman giving birth? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Or like when they're like, oh, women in blood. Like, we see it every month. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we do. Yeah, and we do endure a lot more pain and can handle a lot more fatigue. And mm. for women carrying the huge buckets of water yeah. miles. Yeah. In yeah. India, women carrying bricks on their heads to at construction sites in their saris. Mm. I mean, the men are too, well, doing other things. But, like, <laughs> we are quite okay with these hips, mostly. Mm. Yeah. Can, yeah. And being able to handle pain is a big one. Do the impossible. See the so what do we take mm. from what we've said? What, how do you feel now about Proverbs 31? I'm still mad, but I'm a little more at ease with it. Back earlier when we were talking about critical thinking and understanding the context, Tish, I had no idea about it being a poem to um, praise women, I guess, kind of, like that Jewish men would sing to their wives. That's really quite beautiful. Mm, yeah. And you know when you love someone and you see them in rose colored gla- through rose colored glasses and you just you think they're the most beautiful person and everything they do like the sun shines out their ass. Well, that's kind of like what that looks yeah. Like to me it's like I see you this way. I'm going to tell you that you are the best version of a woman. And that's kind of cool. I like that cuz that I I understand that. What I don't understand is it being prescriptive and um, a standard for women because Jesus didn't talk about that. Yeah, I think um, I agree. I, I like thinking about it as an accolade for women. The current take evangelical Christians have on Proverbs 31, diets and striving for perfection and, yeah, um, please stop. I feel more at peace with it now that I've looked at the cultural context mm. and the historical context of it. Um, when I first, when we first decided that we were going to do Proverbs 31, my mind straight away goes to women's retreats, Ugh. afternoon teas, what? Mother's Day, yeah. <laughs> Um, Sorry, finish no, your thought. please, please continue. Oh, um, sorry. <laughs> Ben actually said, you guys can't talk about Proverbs 31. It's not Mother's Day yet. <laughs> no, but this is the thing. Like, it's, it's, it's things. It's like at every wedding. I used to really hate, even in the evangelical days, love is patient, love is kind. Yeah. Because it was always right And it, it was when I was distanced from that and actually read the poem itself, it's, it's beautiful. But it's because it's regurgitated. Over and over until it's lost all meaning. Yeah, yeah. and it's had other meanings placed on it. Yeah. Because words change too, and the power that they have changes, right? Mm. I, I really enjoyed 
going through all the different um, sociological, historical aspects of it. Thank you for joining us. If you have any opinions about Proverbs 31, if um, you have flashbacks to awful Mother's Days that you hate, or if you disagree with us entirely and think it is great and that you like dieting, um, please start a flame war on our Facebook page. Yes, please. Yeah. Come roast us. Come roast us. In those flames. In those flames. Thank you. Signing out. Um, good night. Bye. Bye. Thank you. I had to move away from the microphone. Oh my god. I couldn't, I couldn't deal. She I tried her mouth. Yes. <laughs> and it's not like any of us are hardcore feminists. <laughs> we both just looked at Tish. <laughs> and it's not like any of us hate men. Both look at me again. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not, no, look, it's not, it's not, it's just. I do so well and then I fuck it up every time. <laughs> yeah, ho. <laughs> Sol Holman. <laughs> Sol Holman, you got a lot of wise. Rusting, plunging, sweeping deep into the dark. Sliding. Glistening oh moist in the moonlight. Shivering. Trembling. His loins. It's trembling, remember? Is that what? Yeah. Remember. 10 things I had about you? Hi, thanks, yes. Mum. <laughs> anyway. Daughter's still Christian. <laughs> Moving no, no, past. No I'm not the one with a Bible degree. <laughs> yeah, I am, and I don't know shit. <laughs> okay, now I can do this. Okay. I'm not going to laugh because I want to encourage you to greatness. Fuck off. <laughs> Back out.